The Bible Study Podcast, episode 635. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues and concludes the study of the book of Nehemiah with chapter 13. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. Nehemiah is going to wrap things up so that he can return to his job. Remember, he was the cup bearer of the king when all of this started, when he first heard about the plight of the people in Jerusalem, and God moved his heart such that he came. Now he's going to do some additional reforms, and then we're going to wrap this up. Chapter 13, on that day, the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people, and there it was found written that no Ammonite or Moabite should be admitted into the assembly of God, because they had not met the Israelites with food and water, but had hired Balaam to call down a curse on them. Our God, however, turned the curse into a blessing. When the people heard this, they excluded from Israel all who were of foreign descent. Before this, Eliashib the priest had been put in charge of the storerooms of the house of our God. He was closely associated with Tobiah, and he had provided him with a large room, formerly used to store the grain offerings and incense and temple articles, and also the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil prescribed for the Levites, musicians, and gatekeepers, as well as the contributions for the priests." But while all this was going on, I was not in Jerusalem, for in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had returned to the king. Some time later, I asked his permission and came back to Jerusalem. Here I learned about the evil thing Eliashib had done in providing Tobiah a room in the courts of the house of God. I was greatly displeased and threw all Tobiah's household goods out of the room. I gave orders to purify the rooms, and then I put back into them the equipment of the house of God, with the grain offerings and the incense. I also learned that the portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them, and that all the Levites and musicians responsible for the service had gone back to their own fields. So I rebuked the officials and asked them, Why is the house of God neglected? Then I called them together and stationed them at their posts. All Judah brought the tithes of grain, new wine, and olive oil into the storerooms. I put Shalemiah the priest, Zadok the scribe, and a Levite named Padiah in charge of the storerooms, and made Hannah son of Zakur, son of Mataniah, their assistant, because they were considered trustworthy. They were made responsible for distributing the supplies to their fellow Levites. Remember me for this, my God, and do not blot out what I have so faithfully done for the house of my God and its services. In those days I saw people in Judah treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in grain and loading it on donkeys together with wine, grapes, figs, and all other kinds of loads. And they were bringing all this into Jerusalem on the Sabbath. Therefore I warned them against selling food on that day. People from Tyre who lived in Jerusalem were bringing in fish and all kinds of merchandise and selling them in Jerusalem on the Sabbath to the people of Judah. I rebuked the nobles of Judah and said to them, What is this wicked thing you are doing, desecrating the Sabbath day? Didn't your ancestors do the same thing so that our God brought all this calamity on us and on this city? 
Now you are stirring up more wrath against Israel by desecrating the Sabbath. When evening shadows fell on the gates of Jerusalem before the Sabbath, I ordered the doors to be shut and not opened until the Sabbath was over. I stationed some of my own men at the gates so that no load could be brought in on the Sabbath day. Once or twice the merchants and sellers of all kinds of goods spent the night outside Jerusalem, but I warned them and said, Why do you spend the night by the wall? If you do this again, I will arrest you. From that time on, they no longer came on the Sabbath. Then I commanded the Levites to purify themselves and go and guard the gates in order to keep the Sabbath day holy. Remember me for this also, my God, and show mercy to me according to your great love. Moreover, in those days I saw men of Judah who had married women from Ashdod, Ammon, and Moab. Half their children spoke the language of Ashdod or the language of one of the other peoples and did not know how to speak the language of Judah. I rebuked them and called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair. I made them take an oath in God's name and said, You are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage for your sons or for yourselves. Was it not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned? Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was loved by God, and God made him king over all Israel, but even he was led into sin by foreign women. Must we hear now that you too are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful to our God by marrying foreign women? One of the sons of Joiada son of Elishib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanbalat, the Horonite, and I drove him away from me. Remember them, my God, because they defiled the priestly office and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. So I purified the priests and the Levites and everything foreign and assigned them duties, each to his own task. I also made provision for contributions of wood at the designated times and for the first fruits. Remember me with favor, my God. I couldn't help think when I was reading this chapter how so familiar so many of these things are. Many of these things that Nehemiah is getting upset with, we've already talked about in this book, and they'd already been set right. And this reminds me of the theme of the book of Judges, where God would raise up a judge when Israel was oppressed, and everything would fall back into place and Israel would become obedient. But then when the judge died, they would go back to the ways of the people around them. And this is the same pattern that they have been doing for generations now, except that Nehemiah didn't die. Nehemiah just went home again. And can you imagine when he comes back and finds that all of the things that he has done have been undone And it hasn't even taken a whole new generation of people who forgot it was the same people doing the same things. And when we were reading that first part about Eliashib the priest had been put in charge of the storerooms and then he was closely associated, and so he provided this Tobiah with a large room that had formerly been used to store, and then it says all the things that used to be stored in there, like the grain offerings and the tithes and the incense and the articles. The first thing I thought is, well, why is there room for Tobiah? There's, that room is supposed to be filled with tithes, with grain offerings and new wine and olive oil and all of those things. I don't think they're just sitting in the hallway. In, in essence, it's not necessarily Eliashib who has the first sin in that story. 
maybe Eliashib just says, hey, we've got an extra room because people have stopped bringing in their goods. People have stopped bringing in their tithes and their offerings. And so what are we going to do with that room and then gives it to the other guy? But the problem is that there's room for him, right? The problem is partially what he does, but it's also partially that other people have been unfaithful as soon as Nehemiah apparently leaves. And so when all of the tithes stop coming in, when Nehemiah comes back, he finds that all the people who are supposed to be doing the work of God in the temple have gone home, and they've gone home because there's no food to support them here. That's what's supposed to support them, right? This is the contributions that keep the Levites, the musicians, and the gatekeepers eating, living. And it's the same thing that would happen in our churches if we stop giving. If everybody stops giving, we're not going to go on a Sunday morning and find that there's a pastor in a service open and the lights are on or the heat or anything like that, right? That all of those offerings were for the support of the ministry, the support of what was going on in the temple. And apparently, people got out of the habit really quickly. We don't know how long it was between when Nehemiah leaves and when he comes back. But we're getting a lot of the same names that we've heard before, so I don't get the impression that it's you know, at the end of his life and many, many years later, but we don't know exactly how long it is. But they quickly get out of the habit again. This isn't these. This is the same people who, you know, Josiah the reformer discovers the law, and they found that they've been going through all the motions, but they've forgotten the law of God, and so they read it again as Nehemiah is leaving. But then they forget it again. It's got to be the most frustrating thing to come back and find so much of the work that you have done has been undone. It doesn't take that long for us to get out of the good habits, the good habits of doing the things the way that Nehemiah told us in this case, or doing the things that Jesus told us or that the Bible tells us in our case. So when you're reading those verses and it says, hey, there people are coming and selling on the Sabbath, do you remember the verses a little while ago that said, that Nehemiah locked the gates of the city for the Sabbath so people wouldn't come in and sell things. Apparently, he leaves and they just undo all of that work. And so Nehemiah has to be frustrated, but he doesn't come back and curse them all. He doesn't come back and dust off his sandals. He comes back and he does it again. He sets up all of these things and finds the people that can be trusted and puts them in charge. And Hopefully, I believe that we'll find uh, that people got better at doing these things, but we're about to enter into the intertestamental period where you won't find those verses that would tell us that in the Old Testament. You would find them in some of the intertestamental books like Maccabees and such. But with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast, and we're going to end this study of Nehemiah. It really does point out how important leadership is. It just That's one of the reasons I wanted to do this. And uh, of course, I didn't have any idea that leadership would be a question on the mind of people in my country here in the U.S. at the time that I did this. 
at the time we're recording this, we're going through an investigation and we're going through hearings for impeachment that are talking about leadership. But leadership is important. And leaders set examples. And we can see that very much so in this verse when a good leader leaves, things go to hell really quickly. And I mean that in a very literal sense. Again, with that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com, or better yet, leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com, and come back next week when we start some to lay some groundwork for the study of Galatians. We're not going to jump right into Galatians. We're going to talk about some of the issues that are going to come up by doing some pre-work first but you'll have to come back next week for that. And thanks so much for listening. Do you ever hear sayings make their way through the culture and the church that seem nice in theory, but are actually theologically problematic? My name is Shara Donahue, and I'm the host of The Bible Never Said That, a podcast where we examine these popular sayings under the lens of biblical truth. We cover sayings like, God won't give you more than you can handle, time heals all wounds, and follow your heart. We also spend time exploring how people use Bible verses out of context. If you want to grow in discernment and truth, join us and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.